0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Glossy Week in Review podcast, where we break down some of the biggest fashion news of the week. I'm Glossy's fashion reporter, Danny Parisi, here again, as always, with editor in chief, Jill Manoff. Hello, Jill.
1: Hello, Danny. Good morning.
0: Good morning. This week, we're talking about the Fendi and Skims collaboration, the second big Fendi collaboration since we started recording the Week in Review podcast. We're going to be talking about Bottega Veneta's show last week in Detroit. And then finally, we will talk about Poshmark opening up its resale site to brands. Um, But let's start, Jill, with Fendi and Skims. So like I said, this was the second big Fendi collaboration in the last couple weeks. First was Fendachi with Versace. um, And now they've got this one with Skims, which I think was leaked ahead of time. It was only officially confirmed this week. I knew about it and had seen pictures, and I feel like everybody saw pictures. So, so, But that's correct, right? It was just confirmed this week, but it was kind of already out there, right?
1: Exactly. Confirmed with some official imagery on Kim Kardashian's Instagram, among others. They had a press release. I'm on Skim's press press releases. I also signed up to be (laughs) first in the know when that November 9th uh, product drops. Uh, I'm just curious, but... Yeah, it's a lot to dig in here uh into here because I mean the price points are high. My initial thought was this is going to appeal to the Skims customer more so than the Fendi customer. I mean, dresses are $4,000. Uh, and it read as a red, red flag, but then I also know that Fendi did a collaboration with Nicki Minaj that came out early 2021, similar price points, and I mean there weren't a, there wasn't a lot of coverage that that sold out. It was like on a couple of fan sites, they said it sold out. Um, so you know, I'm not 100 sh- percent sure how that did, uh, but yeah, it seemed high. And I was sounded like a a diva <laughs> in our Slack channel when talking about this, where I was like, I mean, as somebody that has a Fendi bag and splurged on a resale a Fendi bag on resale um, that looks very very similar to a bag that that is in this collab, I. Personally, I, I don't love the idea that that somebody could confuse it with a Skims bag, um, but then the high price point, it kind of changed my tune a bit. It's still a luxury item. I don't know how I feel. I do know that Fendi's going all, all in on collaborations um, via Kim Jones. What do you think about it?
0: Well, I was going to say the same thing about as you about the price. I mean, I kind of assumed, same as you, that it would be more in like the fifteen dollars range or something, because that's what Skims is like—sort of their whole thing is about like being a a very accessible. Um, And I was thinking that that might alienate some Fendi customers, but now I think it might be the opposite. Where are there people who are really into Skims who are going to spend several thousand dollars on a dress? I don't know. But there's been tons of examples of extremely expensive luxury brand collaborating with a very accessible like mass market kind of brand and i feel like the price point is all over the place like there's no set in stone um you know like if if supreme does a collaboration with anybody it's always going to be expensive especially because you're probably going to get it on resale i guess maybe the exclusivity of it and how much inventory there actually is will will play a role because i assume if there's a lot of it maybe they can get away with a higher price point if it's more limited they could maybe still sell it closer to a skims price point and then let the fact that there's just not that much inventory be part of the exclusivity of it i mean i don't know i personally don't really feel what i think luxury brands expect people to feel about things being expensive or rare or whatever where it's like makes it more appealing to me personally that doesn't really do anything but i know for a lot of people it does especially in like the resale collector kind of crowd so um yeah do you know anything about the inventory size like how much is it going to be
1: I don't, um, but I may. You know, they have the price point. I'm sure that that that, that will help to to not dilute dilute the brand, which we hear about that fear by luxury brands time and time again. Um, and also, you know, speaking of like kind of the why, like Kim Jones, there's some whole like story. I don't know if it's true (laughs) that, um, you know, people within the Fendi office were, were all, all this, all the women were distracted at one point in a meeting and, and Kim Jones came to realize, oh, they were waiting for the skims drop. And he's like, I need to get in on this, whatever. I don't know. Um, but the fact of the matter is I don't know that Gen Z or the Kim Kardashian fan, um, Cares as much about Fendi, maybe the hype beast does, and the and the collector does, um, and maybe you know this is a, a an opportunity to reach that audience, um, and at the same time, shapewear. We hear it's having a resurgence post pandemic. We know that banks just sold uh to blackstone it's valued at 1.2 billion dollars this is huge market that's not yet a crowded space uh skims has a huge a huge uh percentage of it i would think
0: yeah definitely and remind me joe skims is is that another jens greed uh joint
1: it is jens is all over the place uh frame he's in on the new brady brand we just talked about (laughs) um he's doing cool stuff
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, one final thing on on Fendi. So we mentioned that this is their second collaboration. Um, I think this is the most press I've seen around Fendi since Karl Lagerfeld died. Um, I think I think Business of Fashion might have mentioned this in their story, but um, Kim Jones took Karl Lagerfeld died in what twenty nineteen, and Kim Jones took over twenty twenty, I think. Um, so it kind of feels like maybe that first year. I mean, the pandemic happened, and then they, maybe he was just sort of getting all his ducks in a row a little bit, but now we're into 2021. I feel like there's lots of cool stuff coming out of Fendi. So this might be just sort of what Kim Jones has been wanting to do for a little while. And maybe just now is like sort of getting around to it. So who knows, maybe there'll be more cool collaborations from them in the future.
1: I bet you're right. It's funny that you mentioned Carl Lagerfeld because (laughs) moving on to the Bottega show in Detroit, it, it called to mind just in the way that they Flew in the industry to this destination location. Very uh, Carl move of them. We Mm -hmm. saw that a lot with Chanel. But yeah, what were your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. So the the Bottega Veneta show, just to give a little background. So Bottega has been doing these um, seasonless kind of shows that uh, they call like 01, 02. This one is 03. So it's their third show that's not really tied to a specific season. It's not tied to a specific fashion week or fashion event. It's just completely on their own. Um, And the last week, uh, I think it was was held in Detroit. Uh, And obviously brands like Bottega, almost always are going to be showing in places like New York or Los Angeles when they're showing in the US. So showing in Detroit was a little bit of a departure, intentionally so, according to Daniel Lee, who's the creative director, um, who said that he had just visited Detroit um, a couple of years ago, I think five or six years ago um, and really fell in love with it. I actually have a little bit of a personal connection to this because I also went to Detroit a couple months ago for a wedding and had the exact same experience where i had never been to the city before I spent a day there and was like totally in love with it. It is such a fun, cool city. Um, I really enjoyed it. So I don't think this is really going to necessarily kickstart a detroit fashion week like renaissance or something or that a bunch of brands are going to show there but i do like the idea of just breaking out of the new york a um sort of dichotomy and and opening up to other cool places in in the states um and another thing that bottega did on that same uh path was uh they they opened a pop-up shop in detroit um I think it opened before the show and is still running um that sells bottega stuff obviously but also showcases a bunch of local artists and things like that so um i think that's very cool personally uh and again i just like detroit a lot as a as a city um but what do you what do you think about the sort of seasonless like breaking away from fashion week both in timing but also now in location and just sort of blowing it up and you know showing whenever wherever you want
1: yeah, it definitely. You, you get more focused attention. We saw that this week. That's for sure. And I know that, um, you know, a smaller designer, Hanifa, is um, who's up and coming, um, is doing a show next week in, in Washington, D.C. Um, this is happening time and time again. I know that Bottega did this uh, not only in, like you said, it's the third or the, anyway, off calendar in a different location. Um, they moved from Milan to London to Berlin, now Detroit. Yeah, it, it definitely makes a splash. I at first I was like, Yeah, he said he's obsessed. And I'm like, Okay, get over yourself. So just go there. Like you're 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 feeling Detroit. Let's do something there. But like you said, um the pop up's interesting and it does um Do something for the city. Uh, I like the kind of ode to America, and there are Marilyn Monroe references. There's more sportswear, sporty styles than ever. Some odes to workwear, um, and also some some I guess odes to the Motor City within the within the collection. Um, Some kind of rubber elements Mm -hmm. and metal threads. Um, it, It does make sense, and and it's cool that all the crowd went like little. Lil' Kim was there. <laughs> Hilary Taymor yeah. um, from from Kalina, Kalina Strada. That's cool. Yeah, well,
0: I was going to say, I mean, it's. I think it's great, but I, I don't think that any brand could do this. You know, like you said, focus attention, um, which is great if you're a Bottega Veneta or, or like Fendi or someone like that, um, where just whatever you do is news. But, I mean, I don't think like any small up and coming brand can just like do a show in Detroit and get the same amount of press. So definitely is a little bit of like throwing the weight around and like using Bottega's like already high profile to to shed some light on the city, which I think is very cool. Also wanted to throw out that Detroit is not like a total. It's not a city that's totally unfamiliar with the fashion world. Obviously, um, Stock X is based there, and when I went for this wedding, I got to go. I didn't go inside, but I. I walk by their um, office and they have this humongous cause statue in front, you know, the like Mickey mouse looking thing. How cool! Um, so there, there's some cool stuff going on in Detroit. And I'm, I'm hoping that this will inspire some other brands. Maybe they'll do shows in Chicago or in, I don't know, Cleveland or something or St. Louis. Yes, of course. Sorry, Joe, I've totally forgot about St. Louis.
1: <laughs> Hello. <laughs> that would be killer. Yep. But yeah, like you said, not everyone can charter a plane, a jet and get people there, uh, their friends. Uh, but I, yeah, he definitely has some pull, uh, Daniel Lee, considering he's really put the, ba- the brand back on the map. The accessory the must-have accessories of the last couple of years so yeah, yeah that's it makes, that's it another makes part sense. of it
0: I'm sure whoever's like the higher ups at Okega will probably let Daniel Lee do whatever they want or whatever he wants at this point because he's been so good for them and uh, he's a great designer I mean I've always really liked his stuff so okay let's move on to our last story which is we're going to talk a little bit about Poshmark um, this is playing into exactly what I have been writing about at glossy for several years now but if you sell on Poshmark, Uh, which anyone can do they've got like 80 million users or something if you sell on Poshmark you can make your own little mini store kind of Um, it's like a closet Um, and they have done things like celebrity closets I think one of the Williams sisters was one of the first to have like a Poshmark closet and but now they're doing brand closets is the new thing so um, this week they announced that they're a similar tool to like what a user can use to make your own little closet, but it's what you know with like enterprise scale. So it works for like a brand. Um, what's not clear. I think from what I saw and like, I, I reached out to Poshmark about this. I haven't heard back from them yet, but um, is can the brand sell brand new stuff or is it all supposed to be resale stuff? I think it can be anything. So in that sense, it's sort of like brands can just open their own little retail store or a little shop on the Poshmark like resale site which is kind of interesting but anyway the, the point that I'm getting around to though is that the resale sites have all been like courting brands for such a long time they've been trying uh, for years to like say to brands that You know this is just another tool for you guys it's useful you can reach new customers and and all this stuff and this is like to me one of the clearer uh examples of that because it's not even just like resale will possibly nebulously lead back to actual sales to you it's like you can just straight up sell to our customers and not you don't even have to hope it's just like a new sales channel for you
1: we are in the same state of mind. That was my first thought. What are these clothes? Like they don't say that yeah. these are returns that they can't sell again, that they're damaged. Um, there are some actually like there, there's a good thread on Reddit about this because there was it did go live in beta with a couple of brands late last year. And the the community, the Poshmark sellers got on there and they were kind of going off a little bit. They're like, well, first of all, they were saying, of course, Poshmark has gone public they have pressure on them to drive revenue um they're going to do it in any way possible let the brands come in set up shop Uh, but what does this mean for the seller people that sell free people and then free people comes in sells their stuff for more affordably uh like anyway this could really hurt hurt the business of the sellers and also they were calling out some of the workarounds um the brands can set up shop Poshmark doesn't take returns, they don't have to deal with the returns. Mm. Um, so they were like, this could be a big draw for brands. Um, and of course, like you kind of alluded to, brands are feeling the heat of resale. Resale's having a big moment. Um, they're really op- expanding their, I guess, idea about meeting the customer where they are, um, being more, I guess, less exclusive, more everywhere. Um, and this is kind of just a way to get in front of somebody as, as resale blows up. But um, man, it, everything says new with tags that mm-hmm. I looked on these brands.
0: <laughs> I, it must be you, it must be new stuff then I think. But the, the, what's interesting is this is like very heavily advertised and publicized like you are buying straight from the brand. Um, what's interesting is that a lot of resale places do have product that's new straight from the brand. It's just not really advertised that way. Um, both the real real and not resale but but rent the runway like get products straight from brands. I think RealReal Real just kind of sneakily puts it up there. Although RealReal Real is not peer-to-peer, it's consignment. So it can kind of just blend in with all the other resale stuff that's up there. Um, but if you buy from RealReal, Real, it's very possible that something you bought was never owned by anybody. It came straight from the brand. Um, and Rent the Runway obviously does tons of revenue share. They get products straight from brands too. I thought the the publicization of it was interesting. The fact that they made it a big announcement and a selling point and you, it's a brand closet that's separate from... The resale stuff so like you you know it and you see it that's, i think that's kind of an interesting strategy maybe the uh, to me it says that maybe resale is not like such a shameful thing to do anymore for the brand specifically obviously not for the consumer consumers don't think it's shameful but for the brands to work with a resale site maybe it's not as icky as it used to be and now they're more comfortable with just putting it out there or maybe there's some other reason that they're just publicizing it more but that's another thing i noticed
1: Yeah, more transparency around what brands are doing. We all know they're doing it. Going back to quoting this Reddit thread, it just was very smart. But they were saying, um, you know, these are new clothes. It's it's just the same fast fashion brands are selling on their own sites, some of them. And they're like, this negates why I shop on Poshmark in the first place. If I'm just buying their new stuff, it's not circular. It's just, anyway, there, there was some conversation around that too. Um, there are some Poshmark tools, like something called a Posh Party. Um, anyway, ways that these brands can really tap into this Gen Z millennial, huge community, like you said, 80 million customers. Um, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I, I wonder if there were any, um, I guess, barriers to entry for this, like they're launching it and they're make, putting a lot of press around it. But if Somebody if a seller can do this could a brand have done this before and really i mean what's new Yeah
0: well i think what's new is like from what i've heard the the enterprise scale kind of tools on the back end like it's it's optimized for like more volume um, i'm not 100% sure exactly what that means um, but that's what it said it's it's like you know if you're a, if you're a seller an individual seller you might only be selling Even if you're like a power seller, like a dozen or a hundred things um, a month or something. But I guess this is for more like a much larger scale.
1: Free People does have thousands of items. Um, And, you know, that includes they they leave those sold items on there as well. Um, And I saw that that Lucky Brand, I think it was, was doing a um, like an upcoming drop. They're like tomorrow at 8 a.m. There's there'll be a drop. What do they call it? Drop, drop shop, something like that. I don't, I don't know what it was called. Um, but that's kind of an, an interesting way to stir buzz. I also saw a makeup brand, mm-hmm. which people don't think of that for resale. Everything was new with tag and package. Um, I think that that's a new opportunity for makeup brands. I don't see this a lot in resale. Yeah. What, what do you see?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, when you said that uh, it's if you're buying stuff new from the brand, it's not really circular in any way. I always find it so interesting with the resale like companies, they always talk about sustainability and they're like, oh yeah, like buying something secondhand, secondhand is more sustainable. This is like all about like circular economy and stuff like that, which I think is true. Like, I do think it's a good thing to buy stuff secondhand rather than new, but I just, I, I always have felt like it's kind of like they didn't even realize it was sustainable. And then they, when they did, they were like, oh yeah, this was always meant to be like a sustainable thing. And I don't think that people really go to secondhand stuff primarily for because it's better for the environment they go because it's cheaper so selling stuff new and I don't want to like I don't want to call Poshmark out because I don't know actually off the top of my head if they ever say like sustainability is a part of their appeal like I don't know if they say that specifically but buying stuff new does kind of defeat that purpose of uh, of resale which is like you're not really extending anything's life you're just buying something new from the company it's like the same as just buying from a normal store um so again, I don't know if Poshmark has ever made that a selling point, like sustainability or whatever. But if so, I feel like this kind of goes against that.
1: Yeah, they don't have a service, or they don't um, do what uh, what is it? ThreadUp does, where they they work directly with brands to set up resale in their own in the brand's own channels. No, correct? No. Like, is this their competitive play? Yeah.
0: That, so that's a it's definitely a different strategy. ThreadUp, like if you go to like Patagonia or Levi's or Madewell or something, and they have their own like brand specific resale channel, whether it's in their store or online, those are all like powered by ThreadUp. So it's actually, th- and they have like a resale as a service, or I think is what they call resale as a tool no, resale as a service. Um, that's like a whole back end like plug and play kind of program they have built for brands. Um, Poshmark I believe doesn't have anything like that. So this is their sort of version of working with brands. And that's another thing is it is interesting to see how people, um, how the different resale companies choose to work with brands. They're sort of the, like we said, the Real Real has a sort of under the table deal with some brands. Um, ThreadUp has this very like behind the scenes um, like tool to like power their own resale. And then Poshmark now has these big public brand closets where the brands can just sell their own stuff straight through Poshmark.
1: Yes. Well, as brands are dealing with all this excess inventory due to the last 19, 18 months, it it makes perfect sense. Definitely an interesting area to watch. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, I think we're out of time, but Jill, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, yeah, hopefully there'll be a Bottega show in St.
1: Louis soon. (laughs) Right on. Are you listening?